I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. October 21st, 2020. Loving the Apple. Typing super fast. Judge Judy and digital public nudity. This is awesome today. Awesome Today is a mostly daily show about stuff that might be awesome. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it and have an awesome today. Would you? Hello. And hello. And goodbye. Good, I, good day. I've asked you many times if you feel like you're up to this. I do. That doesn't mean that I feel good. It doesn't mean, uh, perhaps what it does in fact mean, rather is that I'm the best actor in the world. Ooh, get the, call the Academy. Because the man cold is real. Yes. But I'm pretending like I don't want to drive over my own head with the car. It is so packed full and disgusting. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It happens, right? It does. Here we are. It's happening. Here we are. And in fact, where we are is October 21st. Happy National Apple Day. National Apple Day. I feel like National Apple Day and National Brandied Fruit Day should have gotten together and had a baby and just had a two-day celebration. I agree. It's uh, sort of a shame that it's not a national holiday when those two come together. In any event, this is a day dedicating to... Dedicating? Yeah, maybe, but more realistically dedicated to celebrating all things Apple. Yes. The And not Apple products like, oh, good job, ghost of Steve Jobs. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the fruit. That's a different day. Yes. That's every other day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Apple Day. Take my money. Uh-huh. Um, the earliest known wild apple trees were in Central Asia. Somewhere between 10 and 20 million years ago, which is an extremely tight time range. I'm glad they narrowed it down so well. Give or take 10 million. Yeah. All right. It's cool. That's ridiculous. Uh, In any event, they were primarily sour, 
Your favorite? Some, yes. Uh, some historians then give credit to the Romans for developing the larger and sweeter versions, mm. or at least a few of them that we uh, have probably descendants of today, mm. I would guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know what other historians claim and give credit to. I just know that some gave credit to the Romans. Um, feel free to celebrate this day by picking any one of over 7,500 different varieties of apples and eating them raw or using them in the recipe of your choice. I'm, I'm going to call bullshit. 7,500. Did I say 75,000? You said 75,000. I meant 7,500. Yeah. But even that, it doesn't seem, now it doesn't seem as ridiculous. Oh, you said 75,000. Okay, 75. No, 7,500 is still ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as 75,000, because I think when you go beyond 75, you're just lying to yourself. Right, 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 right. Yes. Okay, I have questions, too. Okay. Number one, initially they were primarily sour. That made me think of crab apples. That is a good poll, because crab apples, from what I read, who knows if you can believe a damn thing I read now with all of these inaccuracies. Oh, you know, it's somewhere between... A day and forever old. <laughs> Whatever. Now, in, in their statement, at least, the crab apple is the only native apple to Oklahoma, not Oklahoma, but America. Well, and Oklahoma. And Oklahoma okay. as part of America. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, so, yes. Have you ever eaten one? And that everything else is important. Super sour. So sour. Super sour. Not sour like a sour apple, but uh -huh. sour like it dries your mouth out. Like yes. when you rub any perspirant on your tongue as a kid, uh -huh. or rather a sibling does it to you. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, second question. Do you think that historians, when they don't know exactly who to credit, they're just like, let's just give credit to the Romans? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I think more readily that the the whoever writes history and I'm I'm talking even history books that oftentimes you get somebody whose research is the equivalency of mine uh -huh. for this show. And so <laughs> if I find one place that says a thing, well then in yes. full honesty I can say some people say this. Indeed. And that's what they've done. Okay. Some somebody, at least at least one person said the Romans did it. Yes. Okay. Um, Maybe it is also a fail-safe, though, to know that somewhere out there, someone has given the Romans credit for everything. Yes. Somewhere. Someone has. Yes. We recently talked about apples on Sorta Awesome. In the Awesome of the Week segment, Kelly talked about a couple of varietals that were lighting up her world. Really? And we all came to the consensus that the worst apple is the Red Delicious. Yeah. I'm the absolute most tasteless, mushy. That's, and then I was going to say mealy. Mealy! I so desperately wonder, though, is that because that's legitimately what that apple is like when it's ripe? Or is that our experience from what we get at the store because they pick them unripe and then they do a false day cycle thing with the refrigerators on semi trucks often to ripen it along the way, mm. pro prolong shelf life mm. that way. Mm. So I don't know. I know that does some weird things. I wonder if you had a true, bless you, <laughs> bless you, uh, a true fresh, like a tree there in your yard and picked it and ate it. Would it be the same yuck? That's a good question. And I cannot tell you the answer to that. Okay. Well, thanks for playing. 
I can tell you, I feel like I'm about to have a sneezing fit. So I'm going to, okay. what's all, what are all the tricks to not sneeze? Is that like press your tongue to the top of your mouth? I don't know anything? because every time I have felt like I need to sneeze, I try to get it out. I'm assuming there's something in my body that needs to escape. Well, I'm on camera, so I'm trying to mm -hmm. not sneeze. Okay. Well, if I need to, I'm going to. Okay. Well, you're the editor. You'll edit yourself out. You won't edit me out. I probably won't actually edit <laughs> either of us out. I'm too tired for editing. That is fair. Well, would you like to know something? You do know this already. You made these notes. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll pretend like I am shocked. 1849. This is shocking. James F. O'Connell was put on exhibition at the Franklin Theater in New York City as the first tattooed Man. I am shocked. Do you need some pearls to clutch? It's, no, it's too late. I can't, I'm so shocked I can't even grasp or clutch or do anything. But we've got an actual pearl clutcher coming later in these notes for today, so just uh, hang tight. Yeah. Um, do you have a tattoo? I do not. Would you ever? Yes. You? Do you have a plan for a tattoo? I have ebbed and flowed okay. over the years. Um, I'm honestly probably beyond the the age of that being something other than weird. Yeah. Unless I already had some. Yeah. It's like if, if you don't have your first one by a certain age, I think it gets a little odd. Okay. That's fair. Later. That's fair. At least if you were me. I, for years, wanted to get one that was the phrase, um, bind my wandering heart to thee. Okay. Um, from the classic hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Yes, that's a great song. I like that one. Yes, I had a little design in mind, never did it. I also kind of, like, the, everyone do whatever makes you happy, as long as it's legal and consenting. Uh, I also do the feel like at 43, maybe I'm a little too old for that first touch. Right. But you know what? This is unrelated to anything. But I've been wearing this gold cuff on my Upper yes. ear for yes. weeks. I like it so much. That I, you're going to get a tattoo of it? N no. I have been contemplating getting some more piercings along the edge of my ear. Okay. I fine, don't know. Fine with me. Am I too old for that? Well, I don't think so, but what do I know? I'm over here with no tattoos, still exhibiting myself to New York City. <laughs> I can't be trusted. Thank you, James F. O'Connell, for that. Yes, I don't think I ever... I think the reason I didn't get one during an age where it would have been a bit more right to do that is I never could pick a design that I was like, yes, that. I mean, it is such a commitment. It is. I get that. If I were to get one now, I'm pretty sure that it would be an elbow to wrist, at least 180 degrees of my arm, if not somehow the full 360, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. I actually saw... A picture of one of those that I thought was extremely well done, and I do have an affinity for her. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's a thought. We'll see. We'll Probably see won't, happens. but we'll see. Well, 1918, Margaret Owen sets the world speed typing record. She typed 170 words per minute. Hot damn. That's Wait, fast. Go, Margaret. That's fast. Yeah. And you had to be strong. To type back then. Mm -hmm. You were pushing down a key on a lever to throw a hammer to yes. punch a monkey to write the Odyssey or the Iliad or something, right? All of them, yes. Or Ennead or what's the... 
Iliad. Iliad, yeah, yes. yeah. There's a lot of words that get confusing to me. That's fair. Anyway, yes. uh, that record, it wasn't held forever, you know. 1946, actually, is the current standing record, officially. Yeah. And I'll come back to that. At 216 words a minute. Holy wowzers. Yeah, I don't... I can't think that fast, so I definitely have to look at something else to type it if I were going to go that fast. Right. Like so many other competitive endeavors, people tend to squabble mm. over this one mm -hmm. and over the details. Yes. Uh, the two records that I've mentioned here were specifically on QWERTY keyboards. Okay. QWERTY is... A top, the first six characters, it's left, right, use. top row. Yeah. It is the standard. It's what we use. Yes. Uh and words per minute was calculated via an actual minute of typing. Okay. Not what you cranked out in 15 seconds times oh, four, okay. but that you sustained. Right. And each five characters counted as a word. Okay. I don't know if they counted spaces, probably, and I'm assuming they didn't just cheat and hit space bar as many times as they could. That kind of a gig. I think it was legit. Okay. Um, now, unofficially and more recently... There is there are a few I take it online sites that give you the opportunity to test and to compete. Yeah. On that, and one of them has somebody that has typed again unofficially all of that three hundred and one point four five words a minute. Mm. That's that seems crazy. That seems uh, inhuman. Yes. Yes. Now, what I don't know, and I didn't bother to read a ton into that because, full disclosure, I just don't care. I'm, I think it's interesting, but I wasn't like, I need to know all of this, so I didn't push further. I do know, as you might also know, that the QWERTY keyboard was designed on purpose to slow down typing because you're talking, again, at the creation of this, every key that was hit had to throw a lever to stamp into a, a, a ribbon of ink to put the mark on the page, all that good stuff. And when you hit two letters side by side consecutively, it would not be uncommon at all for them just to bind up all together. Absolutely. So this, this QWERTY design came about in an attempt to avoid that as much as possible. Mm. And it worked well. So it was a purposeful inefficiency. Yes. Yeah. Now, there's there are two other primaries. I didn't write down the name because I thought I'd remember them, and now I've certainly not. <laughs> um, there are two other leaders right now that are moving back to a, a design of efficiency. I don't know if these online records uh, currently unofficial are on one of these other keyboards. I don't know. Okay. All right. That's and good. From what I gather, you can go into the settings on your PC. Really? And you can change orientation to one of these other keyboards if you so wish, and or purchase a little plastic or rubberized thing that sits over your keyboard so that the letters would represent would be visibly in the right places for you. I have zero desire to do that. Well, and that's exactly why QWERTY is still the standard, because yes. once you've learned, yes. nobody really wants to go relearn typing. No! Uh, the only... Caveat to that, I suppose, is they've mentioned that these other two keyboards are a tad more ergonomic. So if you were to have carpal tunnel issues or something, uh, yeah, you, there's other options available to you. 
I have a long-standing hate grudge against typing tests. Okay. When I was a collegiate undergrad, there was an opening in the English department where we went to school to be a student worker in one of the little office uh, quads. Like, they, you know, there'd be like four or five professors. Mm-hmm. And they had student workers who staffed those uh, little office spaces and an opening had come up. I wanted that job so badly. This was shortly before you and I got married. And I just thought it would be so fun to work in the English department. I loved the professors. I wanted that job so bad. They had the candidates come in and do the typing test. I scored average. Okay. I was an English major, so it's not unusual for me to do a lot of typing, but I'm not like trying to log 300 right. words per minute. Well, there's a huge difference in composing while you write versus reading a page and typing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, tell that to the decider of this. Yeah. Uh, because the woman who beat me out, her name was Dixie. I still have a hate grudge against that name, too. Uh, they said it came down to the typing test. I mm-hmm. think they just wanted to hire Dixie over me. But You think she was willing to... Do whatever it took to get the job. How bad do you want this job? I'd like to not think that about any of my professors. Um, I well, don't know what happened after hours in the English department because I didn't get that job. That's not entirely true. You know one story from another yes. college student uh, who was willing, openly willing, to do whatever it took to get the job, keep the job, and I think ultimately got released because he continued to be too willing. Let's change the subject now. I think it's a great story. Before we get uh, sued for slander. Um, I did not say his name. I know. <laughs> anyway, I hate typing tests. Okay. okay. I uh, I actually secured a job via a typing test. Did you? As a sophomore or junior, I can't remember. Okay. In high school. Yeah. That job that you had for the... The office job you had. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of many jobs that I held down all at once, mm-hmm. but yes. And beautifully, I typed zero for that job. It was not part of the job at all. (laughs) Okay, 1942, we have on this day the birth of the woman who would go on to be a supervising family court judge in Manhattan, New York. Now, after many years, she retired from the bench and became famous for presiding over her own syndicated courtroom television show. Of course, we're talking about the one and only watched by millions of viewers, both loved and hated Judge Judy. Judge Judy, you feisty gal. Feisty, feisty. Yes. Do you ever watch it other than just passingly? I cannot, I cannot watch a courtroom show that's real. Like I used to, when I was a kid, probably before it was appropriate, I loved watching LA Law and other yeah, courtroom yeah. dramas. But when it was real people, I cannot stand the confrontation. And I know now as an adult that it's mostly orchestrated for the television effect. I yes, mean, yes. supposedly the real cases, but like the the back and forth, the right. animosity. Uh, but that confrontation between people, it makes me squirm. I cannot deal with it. I cannot. I'm not claiming this for her. Yeah. And I may be saying something ignorant to say this, mm. but to me, she she fits the presented stereotype of the tough Italian woman. Uh-huh. Yes. I don't know if, in fact, she has any Italian in her or if she's just a, a tough lady in general or 
if it was all show, but she wasn't afraid to verbally reach down and smack some people around. Judge Judy does not have time for your shit. No. And she's highly gifable too. There's some great yes. gifts. And I felt like highly impressionable that if your story was good. Oh, yes. You were going to win regardless of the facts. Yes. If your story was good and convincing, she's like, yeah, I don't even care. You win. Again, makes good television. So, all right. One, one other note on okay. that. Okay. And this would be the... A bit of a fantastical version, perhaps, though I'm sure probably based on some real true characters that sat the bench at some point. Mm -hmm. It wasn't good enough ever just to listen, sort through, and hand down the verdict. Somebody had to get a preaching. Oh, yes. And it, and it reminded me of that because I was thinking about that. It reminded me of then an additional instance. I knew a guy. He was not... The sharpest of fellows. I know a lot of people that aren't the sharpest of people, mm -hmm. interestingly. Perhaps that says more about me than I realize. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was a couple years older than me. He was telling a story that he'd been pulled over and that the cop, he knew he, he, knew he had been had viol traffic violations enough. He was in trouble. Yes. And the cop started griping at him about it. And, and he said, hold on. Are you going to write me a ticket or not? Because you can either write me a ticket or you can gripe at me one or the other, but not both. <laughs> now, his claim is that the cop stopped talking and wrote him a ticket and walked away. I don't know. Saved them both a little time. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got some trendings in this one. Speaking of courtroom drama, this mm. one is uh, dramatic and loosely adjacent to the courtroom. It may find its way to the courtroom. Get ready. If you do not have pearls, please do find some quickly so you can clutch them. Um, I'm sure you all have seen this in the headlines. It's from earlier this week. Author and CNN legal analyst Jeffrey Tubin had a quote-unquote Zoom incident. Yes. Now, if the name Jeffrey Tubin rings a bell, it's because he has written a number of books, including The Oath, which is the Obama White House and the Supreme Court, The Nine, Inside the Secret World of the Supreme Court, his book, The Run of His Life, was adapted for television as the FX series American Crime Story, The People vs. O.J. Simpson. Okay. He recently had a book come, come out called True Crimes and Misdemeanors, The Investigation of Donald Trump. So he is a well-known cultural commentarian as well as author. So he has this Zoom incident not realizing he was on camera, and I did a little background reading on this already. He was actually there uh, as part of a panel with the New Yorker and WNYC uh, record, doing some kind of uh, dress rehearsal yes. for their coverage of election night coming mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Didn't realize he was still on camera. He switched over to the video call equivalent of phone sex, ultimately exposing himself. As you would. In the process. The article that I read indicated that the rest of the panel, this is so awkward, I could just hurt myself because the awkwardness is so strong. The rest of the panel went along as if they didn't realize, I mean, they did obviously know what was happening, but they just went along with their, mm -hmm. they were supposed to be doing these breakout discussions, went along with their discussions. He switches back over, not knowing that everyone had yeah. seen all yeah, of this. Yeah, it wasn't... Business. 
it, it appears at least that it was not an effort to get his jollies by showing someone else no, his No, no, He was trying to stuff. do it in the privacy yeah. of his He thought, office. hey, I got five minutes. I was, I am so scandalized by this for the very simple fact that I thought that things like phone sex, which obviously this was not over the phone. Oh, it this was is much video, higher tech, yes. That I thought those were a sort of thing of the past now that there's all of the things on demand and you can go onto the, you don't have to go on the dark web and find what you're looking for to entertain yourself for a few minutes. I had no idea, like my little naive brain did not understand right. that you can have the equivalent of phone sex on Zoom yes. these days. Yes. So. Keeping up with technology. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I can't stand it. I recall years ago hearing a statistic quoted. I don't recall the exact percentage, but I, re I remember being quite astounded at the number of adults who purportedly are fine with pleasuring themselves at work. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeffrey Tubin, maybe he was at home, but he was supposed to be working, but here yeah. we are. I mean, if you work from home, I'm sure that would elevate the statistic. But <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's right. <laughs> in any event. Oh, golly. Uh, also trending today, uh, Tuesday, the Department of Justice filed an antitrust lawsuit against Google. Oh, no. Arguing that the company unlawfully maintains its monopoly over internet search dollars through anti-competitive practices. Yeah, don't say. Right? So, you know, <laughs> Google controls over 80% of internet searches. So uh -huh. The company has a market value in excess of $1 trillion. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're anti-competitive. Yeah. Um, big surprise. And they didn't get there overnight. So... You know, dear regulators, where have you been for the past decade? That's a terribly long vacation. Come on, guys. Of course, as well, Google will fight the case. Whatever happens, they will ultimately win. Once a monopoly has been built, it, you don't see those destroyed via, via uh, regulation. It just doesn't. Things are manipulated on paper and visually. So it looks like, oh, look at what this great regulation and what this great law has done. That's mm -hmm. not what happens. The mm -hmm. only way a monopoly is broken is by new innovation that yanks the rug out from underneath them, just like Google came up with 20 years ago right. when they, yes. they toppled whoever was in charge at that time. When they toppled Ask Jeeves. Indeed. Is that even, is that still around? I have not checked on Jeeves in a long time. I loved that. I do not think so. I will report to you all that my father, who is 70 years young, has recently discovered on his phone, although they have a brand new computer, they don't use that, on his smartphone that he also got within the past six months, how to use Google. Right, right. Now, nearly every time I talk to him, he has a new thing that he has Googled and has entertained himself with reading about. And so... And I would wager that his fact-checking is worse than mine. <laughs> I, I, I have no doubt I've said some things along the way here or pulled up some things that are maybe less than as true as they could have been. Yes. I listened to him tell a story to our children about some brand new technology that I recall hearing about 20 years ago, <laughs> trying yes. to dazzle them with his, mm -hmm. his new find. Mm -hmm. just shook my head. Yes. Okay. Also trending currently planned for this week's presidential debate, 
is that microphones will be muted while the other candidate is speaking. Now, a poll was conducted. You don't you didn't cite your sources, sir. Who conducted this poll? Um, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> a poll was conducted to capture public opinion on this strategy. I do know there was a sort of Twitter uprising um, in a after a past presidential debate demanding that the microphones be muted. Yes. Um, a majority of Americans felt actually indifferent, claiming that they had already planned on uh, simply using their remote controls to mute the entirety of the debate or to simply change the channel. Indeed. So this study was conducted by Sort of Awesome Media. I ran it. I asked myself <laughs> the question three or four times, and these were the results I came up with. And I got excellent. a little bit of nose spillage yes. of the drink there. That's yes. excellent. Yeah, I, you know, I almost had LaCroix through the nose over that one. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Okay, now I have I have set myself up yes. for this next part. I, yeah. Call it a segment if you wish. We talk a lot about personality stuff. And you're receiving phone calls. I have my phone on. Uh, do not disturb, I thought. Apparently not. Apparently I did not. Okay. It was good to see you jump, though. Yes. Um, I've, I, we talk a lot around our place about personality stuff. Both of the two systems that you enjoy are frequently visited about. Mm -hmm. And while I refuse to admit that I am in a box, I'll admit that you think that I am. And I have invited you yes. in public. I know. To let's go through... Let's go through and talk about the things that would be my weaknesses. Oh, my gosh. This, honestly, you know, we were talking about the cringiness and awkwardness of confrontations. I feel really awkward about doing this. Well, there, <laughs> yes, I have, I have two reasons why I think okay. this is worthwhile. Yes. One, because I trust you. Mm. And I know that as you read the, these things, even if you agree with them, which I'm sure you will, some of them. At least some of them. That it's not in a negative manner. You're not looking for another way to cut me down to size. No. It's conversational. Yes. Um, secondarily, we were visiting the other day about how often it is. Uh, I've noticed this in the past. I can point to multiple instances in my own life in the past where there's something that there's some outcome in our life that we don't like. Yes. And we are knowledgeable that a change needs to occur for that to no longer be the outcome. Mm -hmm. And then we may or may not reach out for help. Maybe it's just an internal thought of, Hey, you know, I'll do anything except for this, except for this thing. Yes. And almost without fail, that one thing that we pick that we're unwilling to do is in fact, the only damn thing that would work. Yeah. It's the one thing we need to get over it and just do the thing. Okay. And so from that perspective, I wanted to hear, okay, what are the things here? Uh, because I'm different now yeah. than I was years ago with this approach where I would just be like, oh, whatever, but I'm not doing that. Now, and I don't know if this, it's probably a blend of both maturity and ignorance that I can look and say, well, I know with the greatest probability, this one thing is probably what would make the difference, but I don't want to do it. So I'm just going to suffer this outcome. Ongoing. Right. Yes. Um, so I'm more aware, but I guess more purposeful in my ignorant choices in some instances. Anyway, all of this is an exercise to 
Right, let's look and see. Is there something there that I am either willfully or ignorantly ignoring that could be done to improve? Okay. I, I Just before we get into this, I relate to that because way, way, way earlier in Awesome Today, we talked about how I get so frustrated throwing, being thrown off schedule by the kids' interruptions. Mm -hmm. You are very simple. Occam's, Thank you. Occam's razor solution was... He's just a simple fella. No, listen. Your solution, which was very simple, very Occam's razor, was the simplest way to, to deal with this was like just tell the kids to leave you alone because you're working. And I was resistant to that because, again, this touched on a big... Um, you know, long believed message that I had about kids and happiness and mom's availability to them and those types of things. As mm -hmm. it turns out, I was really resistant to it. But when I did actually just start telling the kids, something they, feel <laughs> they did and they were fine and you were great. Yes, and everything has improved from there. Okay. Well, let's start talking about INTJs first. Okay. INTJs, of course, in the Myers-Briggs system, the I standing for introverted and being intuitive. T, your thinking type, and J being a, a judging type. And so those are the letters there. Okay. One of the things that INTJs can struggle with is being... The, the article I read, I read some... some Don't sugarcoat it. Just drop the bomb. Can be a little emotionally clueless. Okay. Do you feel like that is fair? Sure. Okay, really? The thing is, is that... It's... I, Every, everything, every time I answer, I'm going to have some caveat. Okay, that. yes. Um, yes, emotionally clueless, it, but not always. Yeah. I think, at least for me, I know that when I get into I am focused on something mode. Yes. That it's not, it's not a conscious decision to block out. It is just the natural progression. When I get focused in, I block out. All of the things. Right. And I know from life experience now that that can be very emotionally hurtful to other people that I have to really make a grand effort all the way to the inclusion of, of just training myself to know, hey, when you're really focused on stuff, mm -hmm. but then you're going to cross paths with a human, yeah, you have to step out of what you're focused on or you're just going to be a turd. Yeah. And so if you've noticed this, anytime you come to my office door, mm -hmm. I take my hands off of keyboard, off of mouse. I pull my pants back. No, that was a different. <laughs> um, I turn in my chair and I face you and I don't look at the computer. I don't, right. if there was something playing audibly, that is paused. I shut all of that down and give you 100% of focus Yes. to avoid being emotionally insensitive to you. That's true. You do that. And I think that that definitely has come with time and yes. understanding of relationship dynamics. And then I always feel bad that I've interrupted you because then I'm like, I didn't mean to interrupt your work. I'll just see myself out. And you're like, no, I've already stopped. Damn it. So tell me yeah. what you're here for. I don't always say damn it. Well, sometimes I use other curse words. <laughs> so you don't necessarily have to even say that, but the implication is <laughs> but it's not a harsh damn it no it's, it's an emphatic damn it hey I'm, yes i'm here with you you know i think that that's worth mentioning because i do think you know as we we're getting ready to start you're like don't sugarcoat it yeah 
there are people for whom that direct communication, like you welcome direct communication. You wish mm -hmm. everyone would stop sugarcoating everything. Yes. Be direct, be candid, get it out on the table. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, there are people like me who just cannot get the words out. I just have sure. to like mold it and shape it. And so sometimes that can make an INTJ feel like they're emotionally clueless when in reality, yeah. sometimes it is uh, um, opposing communication styles and that genuinely other people do need to be more forthcoming with what, right. you know, with the truth of what's going on. Probably any interaction with an INTJ that's being forthright, the INTJ could likely stand to calm it down a little bit. Yeah. But in the to the same degree that the interacting party could probably stand to toughen up just a little bit. Right. That's helped me a lot in learning how to better communicate with you is you would so much rather not hear a whole story, not hear a novel around a thing. Well, not as the opening line. I want it like a good research paper. Give me the fast summary. And then if I want to know more, I'll flip through your pages. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to get an answer. And oftentimes it goes in your favor. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so another thing is that INTJs tend to be skeptical of others. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't find that a weakness. Well, here's the thing. And this, this particular thing that I'm drawing from is actually talking more about INTJs in relationship. And I didn't realize how much it was leaning on the relationship part. Okay. But first of all, do you, this person, and who is, this is written by an INTJ. INTJ. I, thought you, I thought you were starting to say 19 year old. I was like, what the hell are we even doing here? This I buried the lead. <laughs> <laughs> this INTJ <clears throat> suggests that most INTJs have trust issues and that that's why they're so skeptical of people. Do you think that is true? I, it's a yes, but again, it's a yes with an explanation. Yeah. I mean, what are we... I, I assume, because I, I think we all like to assume that we're at least pointed towards a healthy direction of things. Yeah. Um, it depends what I'm interacting, What for what purpose am I interacting with this other party? Right. If we're looking for a babysitter, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put the FBI to shame mm -hmm. with how... How, how deeply I'm going to not believe what you have to say unless there's some proof there to back it up. Right. Um, if I've rolled the window down to ask somebody, hey, where's such and such place to get directions? I'm not going to write down what they say and then check it all on, you know, call somebody else. Hey, they said this. Is this right? It's, it's give and take. And for what's, I guess for me, it's a safety perspective ultimately. And maybe that ties in less about being an INTJ and more about being a bit of a sheepdog. I don't know. That's true. I can, I can track with that. Um, this goes on to talk about how deeply, deeply passionately INTJs hate to be wrong. Yeah. I know that you want to say this. Not for the just, sake of being right. We're just so rarely wrong is the thing. <laughs> I can't speak for other, other people. I just know for my own record. I've run out of room in the wind column, and the lost column is a barren wasteland. Yeah. Um, I think it... Say, so read the thing again. You got me off track. I just, I mean... It's, hate being wrong? Yeah. Passionately hate being wrong. Okay. I don't, I don't hate being wrong from the perspective of 
wanting to be right to prove to everybody else how right I am. Right. I hate being wrong because when I've picked something, I pick with conviction so that I can act. Yeah. And if I've if I've begun action on a on something untrue or less true than something else, yeah. Uh, then I view that as a as a tremendous waste of resources and efficiency that I floundered through wrong information, and I blame myself. I don't mm. even if you know I had relied on another source to to get that information, I blame myself for it. So it's a self judgmental thing for me. I think that's a good point. I think a lot of personality types that really struggle to admit that when they're wrong that. In relationship, even in conversation with them, you can feel like uh, that it's about you as the person. Like, why don't you just believe me? But for an INTJ or another personality type that has this thing, it's like ultimately almost like a self-protection thing, Mm -hmm. maybe. As like, you know, like it feels higher stakes. For me, I go into many conversations asserting my opinions like I'm probably wrong on this. Right. And so it feels very low stakes for me to say, oh my gosh, I was so wrong about that. It's very low stakes for me because I don't go into it with that same conviction that you do. I would wager, though, for any of the few people that have interacted with us, I'm a better apologizer than you are. <laughs> okay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are quick to apologize Mm -hmm. when you genuinely, genuinely see in your estimation of things that you are wrong. Mm -hmm. I will apologize for what truly requires apologizing for and not for the thing that you feel like should be apologized Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. necessarily. Right. There's a difference. (laughs) Why would I apologize to someone for telling them something true? Um... I, there's a lot of ways to go with that. <laughs> okay, so here's the, the last one on INTJs. INTJs can be introverted to a fault. Now, obviously, yes. you are one of eight types of introverts in the Myers-Briggs system. So it's, you know, there's it's a, it's a spectrum, right, yes. of introversion. Um, but the INTJ brain has a lot of complex layers that they can get lost in. This it's like an says, ogre, an ogre onion. An ogre onion. And rather than try to set healthy boundaries for themselves and try to balance social interaction with alone time, INTJs would rather build a perfect life inside their mind where they can always be right and always feel comfortable. Does that feel right to you? Ish, kind of. Okay. I don't... I like being right, So again, so that I, I know when I've taken a course of action. I, I, why would I care... 
about something right or wrong if I'm not going to be taking some action on that information. Okay. To me, that it's pointless to have that knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I don't typically bother. This show is an oddity in that I look up things that none of this is really going to impact right. what action I take mm -hmm. other than, oh, that looked like, you know, hey, we're, we are eventually going to uh, make brandied fruit. That was interesting. And I dug deeper into that one because I saw here's something that could make lives better mm -hmm. or at least more enjoyable for a minute. Yes. Um, it's, again, it's just, it's not this need to be right for the sake of being right. Okay. It's the need to be right because I'm going to do something and I don't want to be wasteful around it. I don't need a, a private world to live in for that or to feel safe around that. It's never an instance of feeling safe to me on that. It's, it's a, again, being efficient and non-wasteful of both my time and those whom I'm interacting with. If it's family or if it's a business relationship I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to push into this a little bit. Please, yes. Because the whole exercise here is you kind of examining, like, is there something I need to know about mm -hmm. to correct a course or whatever? We sometimes, or I feel like, I perceive that we sometimes struggle to um, have, quote unquote, couple friends. Yeah. That we hang out with socially in the times before and hopefully after COVID, of course, because I do feel like you tend to be very picky about who you spend time with. That people who uh, get on your INTJ nerves for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and then that could be a lot of reasons, that you just, it's to you feels like, no, I'd rather just, I'd rather be alone <laughs> than be social. Does that okay. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. So this wouldn't be a couple friend, but this is a person that we both know that on occasion we are around. Um, the person pretty much, I mean, if you're really, if you're really fairly evaluating the person, they don't give a damn about you, anybody else. They care about number one, mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. And they will drive, no matter what you try to interject in conversation, they will find a way every time to turn it back to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, okay, that's fine. But what about, what about me and this thing and this? And mm -hmm. um, there is no, to me, a relationship means that there is something that flows both ways. Right. And if it's a positive relationship, that mm -hmm. means there's something positive that flows from that person to you. If it's a negative relationship, in the most extreme case, that means the only thing that flows from them to you is negative. And hey, we, I don't think we're called to go subject ourselves to that. Okay. And so if, if the person is a supremely negative person, I don't feel any obligation to sit and stay engaged with it. They don't care. I could set a stuffed animal in the chair that... <laughs> had a voice box that made a giggly noise every little bit, and they'd be just as happy. Okay. Um, do you think it's fair to say that you're picky about people? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. And that feels like you feel good in yes. that. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I don't care about people, that right. I won't help people. Sure. All of that. Uh but if you want to take it from the perspective of energy, mm -hmm. if I have my bucket of yes. energy, I want that other, again, other than 
yes, I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be cordial. I will do what's socially responsible in a moment. But if it's my pick, mm-hmm. I don't want to waste energy on something that's only a negative return. I'd much rather take that and pour it out on you kids or another real potential friend. Yeah. Um, okay. That's good. And that's actually a perfect segue into talking about Enneagram type five. Okay. Enneagram fives are the investigator types. And as we talk about energy, especially in Enneagram types, Enneagram fives. Can I, can I add one more thing to the last deal? Absolutely. You were eager to jump ahead. You're on a clock or something. Maybe you're taking medications, trying to yeah. watch the schedule. I've got to eat so I can take my bath pills. Okay. Um, there is one other type of person that may be the nicest, most amicable person in the world that isn't constantly bringing everything back to them in conversation that still I have difficulty with. And that's the person that has in almost no instance, any idea what they stand for, what they believe in. They do nothing to nothing at all to study, to read, to be informed, to have an opinion. And that doesn't seem to bother them much either. Mm. They're just kind of, there breathing up good oxygen mm-hmm. that could be used for other things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and that's harsh, and I'm being jokey on purpose about that. But we we know people like that. Yeah. Um, as I look back at different couples that in the past we've had a one and done relationship yeah. with, not yeah. not in the <laughs> not in the swinger type not way. Swings, um, that's for sure. Most often, it's been because the husband who is naturally who I would most often have conversation with was just a lost soul. He had no idea what he stood for, wasn't interested in finding right. either so yes. that it wasn't even an, an opportunity to, you know, say a statement to get their feedback on. They just almost like they just didn't care about anything in the world. Right. Right. And that's not, it's, again, not it's not engaging the energy. In yeah. I mean, I look at it from the perspective of, of, I would really like to determine if this is somebody that I'd like to be friends with beyond casual. Okay, let me ask you this then, Mm -hmm. dovetailing off of that. I think sometimes I perceive it's hard for INTJs to be around people that they don't agree with who also hold strong opinions. Like, let's just say... uh, Let's say politically speaking, because that's easy to look at it as a binary, right? So you might have some strong political opinions. Mm -hmm. You might know somebody else who has strong political opinions on maybe different ends of spectrums. Would you rather be around somebody with whom you don't agree, but they know why they believe what they believe? Yes. And they aren't afraid to be candid, get it out on the table, have a strong discussion about it. You bet. I have no problem with that. The only time it gets to be where I need a break is when it's the type of person that once they've identified the place where you disagree, that that's all that they want to talk about. Oh yes. That feels very exhausting. If they have, (laughs) if they have zero social awareness and they, you know, make your statement, that's fine. But if you can see in conversation with anybody, if you can see that, that what you're talking about is agitating them, Mm -hmm. I mean, have the courtesy to move on. Right. It's not like, you decided to have a couple's dinner so that you could sway their vote at the next election. And right. if you did, you're the a-hole, not them. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. That's good. I do think that I can see that in INTJs again, because they do appreciate candidness and directness. Mm -hmm. And even if they do think you are wrong, they are mostly going to respect the fact that at least you are taking a stand. Yes. Yes. And especially if you've, if you've bothered to read beyond mm. a puff piece, mm-hmm. if you've bothered to read, if you have some very real thoughts there, I have some very strong opinions about what makes sense uh, for global economy, for mm-hmm. national economies, for things to work in, in a, in a good and healthy way there. And, when somebody wants to speak to that and they've they've not done any research, it, it's just agitating. I don't I don't really care to participate with their uneducated perspective. Mm-hmm. But for the people who truly are educated and they're not jerks about their presentation, their their approach, but you know, really thoughtful about it, I welcome to hear their perspective because I do I'm always looking to see What's the truth? Is this still the truth? Has it always been the truth? Is there something more true? Um, where are the flaws in, in where I believe? Because if I've chosen to believe something, it's because I anticipate needing to take action on something right. there. So I value that. I do. Okay. Good. Good, good. Let's let's skim back through quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to seem like I'm just looking at all of these and saying, no, no, not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm fully aware, believe me, that despite adjustments I've made over the years, that I can work to be more socially good. Well, I was going to say maybe more socially adventurous. Maybe well, more... I'm maybe, maybe true there as well. I was thinking more to the tune of being kinder, in the way that matters to someone else. Mm-hmm. We talk very candidly with each other because we're used to that. I know that there have had to have been multiple instances where in our conversation, I've said something that a listener on the other end is like, what an a-hole. <laughs> and yeah. I have also apologized. Yes. And especially, again, from the perspective of what I believe is worthy of stating an apology around to say, hey, at no point in time ever mm-hmm. has my intention oh, yeah. been to hurt someone mm-hmm. with words. I'm just as, as robustly as I would make statements about things that I believe to be true. I would hope that somebody intelligent who's done some looking themselves would come back and say, well, what about this? And that's even happened. Uh, what two occasions that I can think of right off the top of my head in the Facebook group, one where I made an incorrect statement uh, about a classification of something within Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Somebody very, somebody that is educated that knows very politely said, "Yeah, no, not mm-hmm. not that. Mm-hmm. The, this other thing." And I looked, and they were right, and we, yay. Yes. Uh, another instance is we talked about it was a legal. Yeah, it was the difference in a, in a trust and a will. Yes. Had somebody that that offered perfectly the the correct and right mm-hmm. uh, information. What we ultimately found was probably that both of us, I think at least both of us uh, could benefit from a mild expansion in our perception on a thing so that better communication could be held going forward. Yes, that's very true. Very true. But all of that to say, I know that 
and, and I do typically do better when it is mixed. I always feel like I'm just talking to you as we do this. Yeah. So I'm not as guarded. Well, yes, of course. You're you're already calloused and <laughs> I have thick scar tissue yeah. from years of conversational wounds. Right. I could do <laughs> I'm just kidding. I could do course. it's true. I know it's true. I could do a lot better in freezing of things to present it in a fashion that feels less full frontal attack. Okay, well Maybe that's true, and that's good self-awareness. I will say that our conversations within, let's say, the past five years mm -hmm. have grown and evolved remarkably for both of us. I've learned how to become more direct. I've mm -hmm. learned to come correct with sources if I'm going to make a statement. And I think you one, one that's potentially of yeah. controversy. And I think you know me well enough to know that if I actually am going to take a stand... I think mm -hmm. I may not have direct sources I can give you at the moment, but there's something there that mm -hmm. Absolutely. is meaningful to me. And so it becomes less of a challenge and more of a, like, if you're going to assert this for your own good yes, and intellectual growth, you should know what you're saying and why. Yes. And that's so often it took us a long time to get communicated between the two of us that yes. that is the intent behind when I ask. Mm-hmm digging questions into a statement that's been made. I'm not trying to win the game. Right. I want to know, one, I want to know if you really, is she really grounded in something here? Because I'm in, you're smart. You're, mm -hmm. I know that you have good and right ideas, and I want to know how you put all that together, both for you, but then also selfishly for me. Mm -hmm. Because if there's something, and I'm paying attention to what you say. And if there's something there that's really different, then I'm immediately asking, am I right? Or right. is this something I need to look at? What, where'd you find that? What's right? Tell me more about it. Yes. Uh, and then I, I do that in a very cavemanish, fumbling fashion. This is where our long running lady brain joke comes yes. from because I would get my feelings hurt because I would feel like these questions implied that I couldn't possibly hold this opinion because my right. lady brain. Just, yeah, limited capacity. <laughs> and, yeah. No, that's never been, that's never been my view. Yeah. I think we finally, you know, after 22 years have come to that. Yeah. <laughs> it yes. only took us two decades. Now, the, the, the other piece I wanted to toss in here talking about a uh, couple relationships. Yeah. Um, you are, you're ready to embrace whoever. Absolutely. You are... I think capable of having more friends than I am. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I have felt like, well, you feel like I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. And the big nope guy on, on all of them. And that I don't want couple relationships. That's not true. I want them. I want to hold out for the great ones. Mm -hmm. And so you'll go through a phase and then give up mm -hmm. because I'm plainly not interested, mm -hmm. except that I am just differently than you imagine. I think. Yeah. And then I think for the, there's a handful of couples here in Oklahoma city still, even that, that we really enjoy getting along with, getting together with to do things and getting along as well. Yes. That's half the battle. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have kids and we have COVID and oh, stuff yeah. goes on. So sometimes too, I think it can be easy to forget uh, those because we have uh, some dear friends that we actually only met because of your podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, they live nearby. We've we've actually snuck out and seen them during COVID, and I deeply enjoy yeah. any time we get together with them. The husband's a, a 
excellent mind and, and a good conversationalist and not not a pushover if he disagrees, doesn't get his feelings hurt. We kind of verbally wrestle a little bit and enjoy that. And, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's good. Okay. This is very helpful. Should, do we even want to talk about the Enneagram yeah. stuff? Okay. Yeah, push through. I, I want to see if there's something that I've overlooked that I need to... Okay. Any more than what I've already mentioned. Well, I think the energy part of this is so... It's such a, a, a strong thing because Enneagram 5s do have... Not necessarily low energy. They have limited energy. Sure. And so socially to expend that energy, uh, it means that they're going to need to recover that. And then and I think that fives and introverts in general, like I have a lot of friends, a lot of friendships that are like an inch deep. Yes. And in, I, was, I was just thinking as you were saying this, I don't know that I have any less energy than you. Right. But... I don't, there's no adjustment on my spigot. Yes, exactly. You're either getting all of me or nothing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I can have many more touch points with people that are just a sprinkle here, sprinkle there. And that's something I need to work on, honestly. Um, but for the, as you're thinking about your energy, you want to expend your energy efficiently. Mm -hmm. And that's a very five thing. Um, fives are very self-reliant. Mm -hmm. In fact, the sort of formation of the Enneagram five comes from an understanding in childhood that I'm on my own to take care of my own needs. And so, and, and this can come about in a variety of ways. It does not mean that Kyle's parents were <laughs> abandoned him on the side of the road. Not both of them. Anyway. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's different mess. Different kids are going to receive messages from their parents and their upbringing differently. Yes. It's how the Enneagram well, understands different it. personalities, all that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you asked our, if you sat our daughters down and asked them yep. what their opinion of their, the parenting style of their parents, they would give wildly yes. different answers. One loves me. One <laughs> is at best indifferent towards me. Yeah. And then, and that's of the older two. Yes. The two youngers kind of ebb and flow. Yes. So anyway, fives are very self-reliant sometimes to a, a fault. Um, yeah. They can be... Uh, Let's see. There, there's no there's no end to the number of times that I can look back and see where I was determined to be self-reliant on a thing and I got it done, but I did 10 times the work that I had to if I would have just right. relied on somebody else for some guidance. Now, here's an interesting thing about fives, and I think this is pretty much true across the board, is that fives can feel overwhelmed by people's expectations intrusiveness, questioning, neediness, and demands. Feel? Do you sometimes feel overwhelmed? Like By many questions and neediness, but questions from a superficial standpoint, one of the things that I truly detest is when I'm forced into a situation to hang out with strangers, yes. some type of larger social gathering. And the person who I've ended up visiting with is very clearly just mentally going through the checklist of Andrew Carnegie's how to win friends and Influence. be a mm -hmm. dishonest and disingenuous jerk. Mm -hmm. And when that's the kind of line of questioning that's going, and I know I've read the material, I know how that goes. And I know that that's what's being done to me. Yeah. It's so inauthentic and fake. I have 
No time for that. Yes. Enneagram fives, and then this is also a strong INTJ trait along with INFJs. Your bullshit detector for inauthenticity is like the most sensitive, I think. Yes. And that bothers you. Yes. Whereas some people might, like I can tell when someone's being inauthentic and I also don't mind just playing along with the game. But that it it's very draining to you, I think, right. to play along the game. Right. I don't mind asking very poignant questions like, did you ask that because you want to know or because you think it's polite? <laughs> and that usually shuts it down. <laughs> then on the on the needy side. Yes. I don't. What I view as needy mm-hmm. is when. I don't mind helping people at all. I actually quite enjoy helping people. Mm-hmm. But when someone repeatedly comes for help on the same thing and hasn't learned from the last time that I stopped everything I was doing to be helpful. We just had an instance of this earlier today, Mm -hmm. not you and I, Mm -hmm. I was sitting in my office and I've not felt great. So I'm not operating at top social awareness. Yeah. Um, Oldest daughter, for whatever reason, she continually has problems utilizing the use, making use of our printer. Well, everyone has printer problems, right? Yeah, but... <laughs> but hers are excessive. She's excessive. She came up and she was... She didn't knock just in and out of my office, which, you know, I may be trying to have video sex or something. Who knows? <laughs> you should knock. She just comes barreling in over to the printer, looks, leaves. Well, she'd come in and out like two or three times. Well, a couple weeks ago, the same thing had happened and finally... It comes out. She's been trying to print, can't figure out why it won't go through. And I'm I'm to the point of technical savvy where it's like, it didn't work. Turn it off, turn it back on, and then see what happens. But I do that after the first or second go around. And then I also delete the print queue and do some things in advance. It's, but I had stopped because when she did, when we did finally get it working, it printed out six copies of everything <laughs> that she'd been trying to get done. So I stopped in that moment, everything yeah. I was doing. And spent a solid 10 minutes there saying, look, this is how you do this. Yes. Well, we go through the repeat of it again today. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I said, do you remember when I stopped everything I was doing and walked through this process with you? Yeah. You remember what I said? No, of course not. And so that's agitating. That's needy. That's overly needy to me. Okay. Because I'm happy to help. And I did. But. Why would I do that if you're not going to actually receive it? Yeah. It also maybe stepped on your intrusiveness thing. Possibly. Just the physical in and outness and the messing with your stuff kind of thing. Possibly. I, although I am backing down on that. That's still an area that needs improvement, I'm sure. But You've I grown a lot. Backing down. This used to be a thing for us when you were coaching because you were hardly ever home, mm-hmm. which triggered in me, even though I'm pretty independent, it triggered in me an extreme neediness because I didn't get very much time from you. And so I would like glom on to you. You, on the other hand, were at a job where you're working like 80 hours a week, had no privacy alone time for the most part. That's right. And so you would come home needing a safe retreat. And then I'm there to dig my needy claws into you. It was, uh, coaching was a lot of fun, but it's hard on family life. That's true. I was also probably the most immature version of me that's ever existed in my life at that time. Yeah, we were in our 20s and 20s into 30s. Yeah. 
So, um, in fact, speaking of that, fives do sometimes struggle with being overly protective of their time, money, yes. space, and energy output. Yes. I have, I have just recently, I've always been, in your mind, generous, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but probably incorrectly generous. I don't know. Not as, as good as I could be. Where okay. I had no problem giving to a certain thing, all of that. I've broadened recently because of all the stuff we've been going through. Yeah. I've broadened my personal definitions of what what all is okay to be generous with. Yeah. Um, but it's not something it's not something that's cured. It's something I continually wrestle with. Gosh, I wish I could remember exactly. It's been within the last two or three days. There was something that one of the kids was wanting. Um, and my, my expectation was, based on past experience, even on this exact same thing, I wish I could remember what it was, that they were just going to tear it up and not take care of it. Right. And I don't know. I caught myself this time and was like, well, why... I mean, ultimately, why does that matter? Mm -hmm. Yes, it'd be great for them to take a little bit better care of and all of that. But then am I, am I so overboard? And the answer is yes. Am I so overboard with that that I can fall into the trap where anything that I can get, I can become a slave to trying mm -hmm. to take care of it and mm -hmm. make it last forever. And that doesn't work well. Right. Especially in today's day and age where so few things are made of quality that's expected right. to last for a long time. Absolutely, yes. So to become more generous in the moment and just say, yeah, get that thing, get the few uses out of it, move on. We'll get another one if we need it. Well, one of the other points on here is that Fice can struggle with being overly minimalistic and insisting on getting by with just the bare essentials, which... I think most guys would be like, what's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? It's a beautiful <laughs> life. It's less confusion, less clutter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do think this, along with another one that was on here, uh, okay, underlying feelings of scarcity, because guys really, yep. their um, sin on the Enneagram, there's every type has a sort of sin that they struggle with. Five struggle with greed or avarice, not because they want more and more and more. It's fueled by this desire that there's not enough, not enough, not enough. Absolutely. That's, that's been literally within the last six months of my life is the first time real improvement has been made there. That's what I was going to say. And that's the thing about the Enneagram. The Enneagram doesn't just look at you where you are. It offers you a path for growth. And so I think that your path of growth through us understanding oh, we don't have to live in scarcity, oh, but there actually is abundance, has been incredible. It's been powerful for both of us. But I think to see how how easily, uh, maybe easily is not the right word, how open-minded you have been about connecting to the truth of that is very remarkable. This would go to, I think, a healthy expression of something that we just talked about earlier to say the desire and need to be right mm -hmm. using that tool to back myself down. I don't need, I need to be grounded in truth. Right. That's the biggest concern for me. It's again, it's not about me being I'm right. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, I want to, I want to live in rightness and correctness and in truth. And mm -hmm. so in the event that, that I can find something that, stimulates and digs out an incorrectness or a less correctness 
I desperately want to get that fixed. Yes. Yeah. For my benefit, for your benefit, so that the version of me that gets shared with anybody else is better. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's good. All right. I like this segment. You put P stuff in the notes. Yes, I wanted to for continue. personality. <laughs> I love that segment name. If you guys enjoyed any part of this, if you like to talk about P stuff, uh, <laughs> this coming Friday's episode of Sorta Awesome is called The Enneagram Survives 2020, and it's looking at each Enneagram type. And their path for growth in such trying times as these. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's time to whirl. And, and it's it a is. short it's one. It's a short one. We don't have a lot going on. There's here. just a, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. just a, a watch and a lifestyle. Um, I've watched, actually started this night before last, fell asleep during it. So rewatched the majority of it last night on Netflix. I think it was number five movie. Uh-huh. In the Valley of Violence, it's interesting. It's a Western. It is a Western. I have never, until this that I recall, seen John Travolta as a cowboy. Yup. Not a good, not a good uh, accent. I think he's kind of checked it in. He's yeah. Getting paid for his name instead of his ability on that one. Yes. Um, and Ethan Hawke is the protagonist. It's yeah. been a little while since I've seen him in something that I remembered. Yeah. But he's a he's a very solid actor. Um, there were parts of it that were enjoyable. The story itself, I think, I honestly, I think he made it a little better than the story was by itself. Okay. Um, That's fair. And it's a little bit of a throwback style movie where yeah. something bad happens and retribution must be doled out. Absolutely, yes. So. Uh, that movie came out in 2016 and it's just now dropping on Netflix. Yeah, so I guess yeah. that's why everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's a there's something new. Something within this millennia? Yes. Um, Lifestyle-wise, I have a quick scent of the day. I discovered in my stash a scent from Solstice Scents I forgot I have called Scrying Smoke or Screeing Smoke? Scrying Smoke? Okay. And I was looking in the notes on it. I've been absolutely loving the smell of it. And in the actual scent notes on it, which is a lot of frankincense and some other resinous scents, the creator of the scent said it's supposed to be reminiscent of the um, incense used at Catholic Mass. And I was like, no wonder I love the smell of this. No wonder. Other thing I wanted to mention smell-wise, you can't smell this. I smell nothing. I have a roast in the oven, a couple of roasts actually. Um... It's getting ready to be roasted meat and vegetable season. So if you're looking for a good roast recipe, I always this time of year tell people you've got to do Pioneer Woman's Perfect Pot Roast. Which is actually Meg's improved version on Pioneer Woman's Pot Roast. Well, we kicked it up a notch a little when we switched from regular beef broth for the roasting in to a bone broth. That's really solid. Makes a huge difference. We off and on will include wine in yep. the, the roasting broth as well. Yeah. If you give the meat a good salting and garlic powdering, sometimes even a little onion powder in there mm-hmm. before you put it in and uh, before you put it in to sear it, it gets a little bit of a crust going before you spend the afternoon roasting it. It smells so good. Every time we have roast, the kids are like, are we having roast tonight? Every time you walk into the house, there's just this smell yes. of roast roasting. It's very delicious. I have a question before we close out to okay. leave with the people. Mm. Mm. I did some quick searching to find 
what you know what are the top what are Netflix's top ten movies right now? Okay, and I couldn't find anything that was Netflix saying these are the top ten movies. I saw a lot of people saying, "Well, I think these are the top ten on Netflix," or "Here's what the top ten was from September something." Right. But nothing that was current and to date with that. And I'm desperately curious. I guess it's more than one question. One. Is because I looked on Netflix and their website sucks. Uh, is there some resource out there that has that? Absolutely. Okay. And two, supposing that there isn't, I'm desperately curious if Netflix advertises a top ten movies or shows to people that is different based on who you are as a user. I mean, I'm almost confident the answer to that is yes. That would be interesting to find out. Yeah. Because. Another thing that I noticed in my brief searches is there's a lot of stuff that I would, I was like, oh, I would watch that. And I had no idea that it was on Netflix because the algorithms did not show them to me. Exactly. Yeah. I am like even scrolling through long lists of things. They aren't included on ours. Netflix would do well to learn from TikTok's al algorithm. Every time I open TikTok, it's like, TikTok, how did you know yeah. I was into this very niche yeah. thing? So, yeah. Or maybe, yeah, some other way entirely that didn't snoop too much. Uh -huh. Yep. All right. Well, that's everything I had and more. Yep. Thank you so much for gently prodding at the at the fissures. Yeah, I feel bad doing my, that when, no, no. when you already feel terrible. And then I'm no. like, let's talk about all of your shortcuts. I begged for it. Yeah, I'm glad did. we did it. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Well, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. Bye. AskJeeves.com was founded in 1996. Facing insurmountable competition from Google, in 2006 the company refocused on being a question-and-answer site. Today they exist as Ask.com. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.